You're listening to the feed. This is the feed. This is the feed. The feed. You're listening to the feed. In Markham. In Richmond Hill. You're listening to the feed in Vaughan. In Stouffville. In Woodbridge. In Unionville. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. I'm Station Manager Tina Cortez, and this is The Feed. We are York Region's only news magazine and radio show dedicated to the issues and events that matter to all of us who live and work here. This weekend, we are dedicating our focus to International Women's Day. The first of its kind was observed in 1911, and in 1975, the United Nations recognized the year in honor of women before adopting a resolution designating March 8th as International Women's Day. It is a day to celebrate the contributions of women and a time to reflect on the movement to advance gender equality. Coming up on the show, our conversations from not only women across the region, but also from very different areas of experience and expertise. Afwaba starts us off with the women of influence. On March 8th, it will be International Women's Day, and so we're going to be continuing to highlight and recognize uh, organizations and people for their contributions that they've made locally within their community as well as nationally. And joining me to chat today is the co-CEO of Women of Influence, Stefania Varali. Stefania, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. Wonderful. Okay, so uh, let's help the listeners out. For those who may not know, what is Women of Influence all about? Well, we're an organization that is aiming to get towards gender equality in the workplace. And because uh, we, we believe women deserve that now, not 200 years from now, which is the current estimate. And we do that through, I mean, we like to think of it as inspirational storytelling. So we have events, we do some great content, we have email newsletters. And uh, what we're really all about is telling stories of amazing women to try and help move the needle towards equality. That's awesome. Okay, so how did this idea come about? Well, the organization has actually been around for 25 years. This is our 25th anniversary year. So it actually predates my partner and I. We're the third group to sort of take over the reins. And, um, yeah, in the beginning, when, when the organization first started out, there weren't that many organizations working towards this. Now I'm happy to see that there are a lot of organizations like ourselves and also corporations and government organizations and individuals who are joining the joining the fight to try and get towards equality. Awesome. Okay, so 25 years. So congratulations on that. 20, 2019 then is a big year for um, you then. How have you seen the organization make an impact to women in their lives uh, over the years for the time that you've been there? Well, so much of what we do is about inspiring individuals. And people, I don't think, give enough credit to the power that that can have. So often women who come to our events who, or who read our articles will say to us, I never really had a role model to look up to. I never saw anyone who I could identify with that made me believe that my dreams were possible. And what our goal is to really give all women, no matter their race, their sexual identity, their age, their industry, we want to give all women the opportunity to have someone to really look up to and say, I can identify with you. Now I believe that I can do it because it's really hard to do that when the only people you see out there, you know, succeeding or the idea of success right now tends to be kind of the old white guy, (laughs) that sort of old view of what success is. So we're trying to change that view of sex, that vision of success to be a lot more inclusive. Not only benefits women, I think it benefits men too. When you 
sort of flood the marketplace with stories of women doing great things, um, not as, you know, just telling them as if it's great CEOs and great engineers and great athletes and they just happen to be women, what it does, it kind of changes the narrative for men and women about what success is and what is possible. That's pretty cool. And I like how you added the sort of the men's side of it, too, because we always think that it's just the women that are being influenced, right? Or the women that we're trying to attract and not realizing that um, there's another audience that we can also probably tap into that we don't even maybe think of at the time. Absolutely. And I really don't think that we're going to get to gender equality without having men on board. This isn't a woman's issue. This is a societal issue. And the impacts go beyond just women. And, and I think that men, too, especially in the last few years, have started to say, you know, I want to be a dad. I want to, you know, you know we don't want to just say that child care should only be a woman's, woman's role and, or saying that they believe in equality because it's fair. And, and having those male voices on board, especially when still overwhelmingly men are in leadership roles, you know, when 97% of men are the ones leading the C-suite, you need to have those voices on board to, to really make change happen. And so for the 25th anniversary then, any uh, plans and uh, events that uh, Women of Influence will be uh, hosting in order to commemorate the anniversary? Yeah, well, we have, I mean, throughout the year, we have a lot of uh, big events happening. We're really excited to be uh, having Tina Brown come uh, speak with us um, in May. And she is, if you don't recognize the name, she was the woman who completely uh, took Vanity Fair from a dime magazine and turned it into the powerhouse that it is, and then did the same thing for the New Yorker, and then launched the Daily Beast, and then started the Women in the World Summit. She's just one of the greatest uh, editors of all time, really. So we're super excited to be welcoming her to the voice stage. She's coming on May 21st. And then in the fall, we have a really exciting program launching that's all about sharing the stories of incredible women role models. Um, there's more details will be coming up on our site um, in the next couple of months about that. Awesome. Okay. And so then what about International Women's Day? Anything uh, that you will be doing to commemorate that day? Well, it's funny. On International Women's Day, we we always tell people that for us, every day is International Women's right. Day. And so a lot of what we end up doing um, throughout the, through the, on the day itself is really supporting a lot of our partners. I'm speaking at a few events and we're hosting two events next week as part of the International Women's we, call, we, we like to think of it as a week-long affair. So we have uh, an event happening on Wednesday, uh, a luncheon that brings women coming from all across um, South and Central America. So telling the stories of women from other, uh, other countries and sort of the, what they've had to face in their struggles is a really unique, interesting perspective. And then we've got an amazing entrepreneur speaking for us on March uh, 7th. And that's an evening event. Um, Joanna Griffith, she's the woman who started Nixwear. She has got the most incredible story of creating a lingerie brand that is inclusive and that uh, welcomes women of all sizes and has always done that in their history and is just really reimagining what it means to, you know, be selling to women um, without trying to sell to them, but really help share their stories as well. So a jam-packed event that's coming up in uh, just uh, a few weeks or so. So it looks like it's going to be a pretty good one. What's your message then? I know, I mean, for Women of Influence, almost every day is International Women's Day. But what's your message uh, to women and maybe even the men, too, um, as we commemorate this day? Well, I think the most important thing about International Women's Day is to remember it's about celebrating women and the achievements of women. And that is something that we do all year round and that we are 
doing all we can to encourage everyone to do that. Because by telling the stories of women, you really help all women to rise. Because it, as I said in the beginning, not only does it give women sort of an inspirational point to, to look to, it, it helps to pass on insights as well, but it also helps to change the minds of men and women with their ideas of what is possible and what success can look like. So what we hope on International Women's Day is that people use that as a kind of call to action to start sharing the stories of incredible women in their lives because people sometimes underestimate the power that those stories can have. And we've seen it in our own events, in our own content, in our community of women, uh, what that can do. And um, it's magic. It's really magic. Awesome. Okay. So then where can residents go for more information if they want to uh, maybe come and view some of these events and they seem like they're going to be really good events? Where can they go for more information if they want to connect with you? So everything's on our website, womenofinfluence.ca. And we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. So you can always find us on our social channels and uh, constantly updating what's going on with our community there too. All right. Always social media heavy because that's where everyone is most yeah. of the time, right? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Our website tell, gives you links to all of our social channels and, and lets you know everything that's going on as well. Perfect. So, Vanya, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me and uh, educating us on what Im- Women of Influence is all about. And uh, you know what? Let's continue to celebrate the women, not just that day, but every Ab- day. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You're listening to 105.9 The Region, and this is The Feed, as we look ahead to International Women's Day next week on March 8th. Our next conversation takes us to Parliament Hill and Liberal MP from King Vaughan, Deb Schult. MP Schult, thank you for joining us on this special International Women's Day edition of The Feed. Before your time on Parliament Hill, you also served as a York Regional Councillor. While, you know, whether it was in Ottawa or, you know, on the local political scene, what's it like for a woman these days in that field? Tina, thank you first for uh, bringing me on your show. I really appreciate it. And I just want to wish all the women's, uh, women listening to, sh- uh, to the show uh, a very happy International Women's Day on March the 8th. And, uh, it, you know, it's an incredible privilege to be a politician uh, up here on the Hill. Every day I, I walk uh, up to work and I just, uh, I'm blessed. I feel very blessed to have this opportunity to be at the table trying to help solve the difficult problems that we have in Canada. We have so much opportunity so much that uh, that's good and that we can do, uh, but uh, every day is a, is a really good challenge to get in and work with my colleagues. I'm blessed with the quali- colleagues I have that come from all walks of life right across the country, and I, I truly believe it's a privilege. Uh, it's not without its challenges, but uh, it's, uh, it's a blessing, and uh, you, as I often say, you really have to love trying to solve problems and helping people to be in this kind of job, but uh, to have, not but, but Having this job is just, uh, it's, it's, it's the pinnacle of, uh, of a political career in my mind. And for a young woman who is thinking about going down this road, what advice do you have for her? Uh, I think that the first thing I would say is that you really need to look at what you're doing it for. I remember uh, Mayor Bevilacqua when he was an MP and I was just thinking about getting into politics and I went to see him. And, you know, his first question to me was, you know, why are you doing this? And, and that is such an important question. You have to really have um, the right motivations because it's not an easy journey. You put 
a tremendous number of hours. And until I got into it, I had no idea the kind of commitment. And it really is seven days a week. And, uh, you know, full days up here, often I would say 12 hours is not exceptional. And people could not believe that that's true. But you ha- that's why you have to love the job. You have to love people. You have to really care about trying to solve their problems and trying to solve the problems of your communities and the country to put in that kind of effort. But you just have this amazing opportunity to try and make a difference. And you, you want to make the best of it and you want to make the most of it. And that's why we put in the kind of hours that we do. So... Getting back to the question, it's, it, it's something that people have to think seriously about. You have to put a lot on the shelf. Um, you need an incredibly supportive family. And I know many that have uh, challenges with, with their, um, their partners. You know, there's a long history of people that have lost their partners uh, through this. Uh, they've had challenges with their kids. So I think that I think people have to think long and hard about why they want to do it. And they have to love it. They have to love people. They have to love solving problems. And I think if you can, if you can get to the crux of what you're trying to do and why, you, you, can, you can get through all the difficulties that come from being a politician. Now, you said that the political journey is not an easy one, and it seems that you never take that easy road. You earned a, a mechanical and aerospace engineering degree from Princeton. What was it like being a woman in that program? Well, uh... You know, maybe I'll just go back a little bit because I think it helps to know the journey that got me there to understand how um, how that went. You know, I came from England with my parents back when I was six. They did not have very much. Uh, so, and I grew up in a mobile home uh, where my mom had three jobs and my dad worked the night shift just to try to make ends meet. So I I knew I knew what it was like to go from paycheck to paycheck and struggle. Um, that taught me an incredibly strong work ethic. I'm also an athlete. I, I used to uh, be a runner. And so I know the kind of, uh, you know, I learned early that if you want to achieve goals, uh, then it's going to take hard work and determination. And that, you know, you might not succeed right away, but you've got to keep trying and that you've got to practice and, you know, sometimes you need to do things differently. So that's all kind of the environment that brought me into this opportunity. And I, and I will say that, you don't get where you want to go on your own. You get there because there's help along the way. So I had a great, I had great coaches. I had a wonderful coach when I was young who, you know, really uh, worked very hard, gave all his volunteer time to the club that I was in and worked to, you know, just make us have good balance and not be too extreme about things, but to make sure that we, we focused and we, we had the practices that we needed to be able to keep achieving. And he happened to meet the coach uh, at Princeton University. So they just had a conversation at a coach's clinic. And so this is why sometimes it's serendipity. You get these opportunities. You just happen to have the right skills. People are in the right places. They connect you. And I got the great chance to go to Princeton University. I did not find it that difficult there. I found it very difficult, the work and measuring up given my background and, and even the schooling that I had, uh, I was uh, I was in a, an environment where you have a lot of prep school people, uh, so they're very prepared when they come into the university. I was not uh, found very difficult the first couple of years, but once you, uh, you know, you get your head down, you work really hard, you catch up quite quickly. So, Going through the program, I have to say there were a lot of guys. Uh, it was it was unique. Uh, I had courses where I was the only female. So again, that's 
priming me for, you know, sometimes a bit of politics where I may be the only female around the table and I'm not, I'm not swayed by that. That doesn't intimidate me because, you know, I may have been the only girl in the class. There were definitely professors that felt that we shouldn't be there, uh, that our role was to be in the raising kids in the house looking after and that we didn't actually have the mental capacity to achieve uh, greatness in, in the subjects that they were teaching and they were wrong. Uh, and so the only way you can change people's opinions is just show them that they're wrong and that's what many of us as young women in the STEM were doing at that time. We were showing men that uh, we can achieve just, just as well as they can and that we have just as much capacity as they do. And we've shown it. Uh, that, 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 and there were women way before me <laughs> that were doing that as well. And so I was following in, in great footsteps and there are many that have come after me and I just want to send a message to the young, young women that may be listening. Um, it, may, it may still be challenged because there's still a lot of sexism and discrimination against women and some of it's quite serious seriously troubling, uh, you know, you see some of the movements that are happening, but people, women should not doubt themselves, uh, we have just as much capacity, uh, we have different um, ways of doing things sometimes, but uh, they're all important, uh, and we have an important role around the table, and I'm so proud of our Prime Minister, he truly is a feminist Prime Minister, he believes in that kind of equality, not just in women and men, but also in the cultural um, and religious experiences that need to come to the table that represent Canada. So going back to my schooling, we had our challenges. I know there were professors that uh, were not uh, grading me the way I should have been graded, uh, didn't give me the marks that I should have got, but I got through and I achieved my, my degree and then um, actually spent 22 years in, in engineering and management at Bombardier, which was to Havland, then Boeing, and now Bombardier. And uh, again, another very uh, challenging experience there. It was uh, 6,000 uh, employees, uh, majority men. There was a small number of us. Very few of us were in the STEM, uh, in, in the engineering side. And so that uh, that was another interesting experience that made me even you know stronger. But all this has prepared me for my political life, for sure. Absolutely. Now, do you think that we still have work to do to encourage young women to um, take advantage or enroll in those STEM, science, technology, engineering, math programs? Do we still have work to do there? Absolutely, we do. I, I get to meet lots of young women uh, here on the Hill and in my riding that are working in engineering and working in science. And what is sad to say, many of them are facing similar discriminatory uh, practices that happened when I was, you know, this is almost 30 years ago for me. So we certainly do have a long way to go, and um, it, it's, it, it's just going to take hard work uh, on the part of, of our labor laws, on the part of our organizations, uh, on the part of our leaders, and I see women getting in, doing their degrees, getting into the fields, and then stepping out of those fields because of what they're facing in the environment. But I have much hope. I mean, I was at a at a um, I was at a Lyuna event, uh, union event on the weekend, and I bumped into some of the shop stewards that were women. And I said to them, you know, I don't see too many. I don't see any women up at that leadership table. And they're like, yes, we have some way to go. But uh, but we're getting there. 
So, you know, it, this is, we still have a lot of work to do, but we are making progress. And I'm very proud of our government for the um, equal, uh, you know, the um, legislation that we've just tabled uh, for equality in payment, uh, in pay. This is something that's been, oh, talked about for decades. And we are finally tabling these things and making them a reality for women. Well, what's your advice for, or what do you want to say to women who are still that single female voice around the boardroom table? What do you want to say to them? You know, if they've gotten to the boardroom table, I think they don't need a lot of advice from me because they are strong, independent, and they know they have a voice, and that's why they're at the boardroom table. For those that are trying to get to the boardroom table, I would just say keep working hard. Uh, work Get together with your colleagues, uh, women colleagues. That's what we did at Bombardier. We found support networks. Uh, this is what women maybe don't do as well as men. Men uh, do get together and they're sort of the boys club. I mean, we need maybe a few women's clubs to make sure that we're supporting our women and moving them forward. And I am seeing that um, happening and, and has happened in the past, that we, we make sure we have organizations that are helping to support women succeed. But those that are at the table, they know why they're at the table, they have a voice, they have something to add, and they're proudly doing that, just, just that. What's your message for International Women's Day? I, I, would, I would say that uh, I'm very proud of the progress that's being made, uh, not just in Canada. You know, I can, I, if it's just a quick wrap-up, there's something I wanted to say. You know, Christia Freeland is, is on the world stage along with some of our other ministers that are really showing the importance of paying attention to women. And, you know, in the UN, she came up with a very unique way of Canada having a significant role that is, is catching fire across, uh, across the world in how we can support women and make our battlefield and those places in the, in the world that are dangerous and challenging safer for women. And, you know, she, she came up with this initiative. Uh, I won't get into all the details, but this is the kind of contribution that we're able to make. It's, we're not a huge country when it comes to population, but having women at the table, the cabinet table, the way the prime minister has, has done this here, it allows those very creative uh, thoughts. It, it's a perspective that the guys just don't have. So having that at the table has been in, in incredibly important for us moving forward in legislative changes to help women in this country. I just want to say that women have, have strength, have courage. We have a strong voice. We have a lot to share and a lot to contribute. And I, you know, I just want to say, um, Gather, gather with your colleagues, gather with other women, reach out, connect with those that you aspire to or admire, and, uh, and keep working on that path of success. This is the feed on 105.9 The Region, where we share stories, issues, and events from across York Region as we continue our celebration of International Women's Day coming up on March 8th. Over to Jim Lang now and the woman who won gold. Coming up on Friday, March 8th, it is International Women's Day and this edition of the feed highlighting incredible women from the region who are doing amazing things, not just locally, but around the world. And I can't think of anyone better to speak to than King City's own Rosie McLennan, uh, one of the most historic athletes this country's ever produced, most accomplished athletes, winning the gold medal in trampoline in both 2012 and 2016, the first Canadian athlete ever to defend the gold medal at the Summer Games. Rosie, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? 
Good. I mean, I, I think about you and Christine Sinclair and Tessa Virtue and Brooke Henderson and Kaylee Humphreys and Penny Oleksiak and on and on it goes. Uh, there are some amazing women like yourself who are doing incredible things in sports and athletics around the world at the most elite stage. But what is it about women in this country that have made such a huge impact in sports around the world? Um, I think it's the culture of sport within Canada, especially for women. It uh, really is an opportunity, creates an opportunity for us to not only pursue top goals, but also achieve them. I think we have been really lucky to follow incredible female role models in sport. Uh, I mean, for myself, I had an incredible role model, mentor, uh, friend, training partner in Karen Coburn. And having those athletes kind of lead the way and become trailblazers kind of opened up the opportunities for even greater heights for us. By competing internationally, do you see that other countries don't offer the same opportunities for, for women coming up in athletics that you have in Canada? I think that Canada uh, is a country that places a lot of emphasis on female sport, um, more so than other countries. Uh, I think just like creating opportunities and supporting um, women staying in sport, I mean, there's still a huge gap in trying to keep a lot of girls, especially between the ages of 13 and 15, in sport. But uh, the ones that do stay, the opportunities are incredible. And um, I think they're supported 100% of the way, and uh, that makes it a better opportunity here than it can be in other countries. One thing I'm noticing, Rosie, is that yourself with BioSteel Sports, Tessa Virtue is doing a lot of advertising with Corporate Canada, Brooke Henderson, etc. The opportunities for, for female athletes in this country to connect with Corporate Canada and get that much-needed sponsorship, to me, it looks like it's better than ever. Are you finding that as well? It's uh, very situationally dependent. There's, uh, there are a lot of partners who are incredible, like BioSteel, who's been there for a long time and a lot of my partners have been longtime partners but uh, I do think that there's always opportunity for more and I think it's easier once you get to the upper echelons of uh, performance but uh, there's still a lot of opportunity and a lot of athletes looking for that additional support along the way. You spoke quite openly uh, in many times about what Karen Coburn meant to you coming up to be the athlete that you are. Are you finding that you have a voice now that you're mentoring other young up-and-coming trampoline athletes in this country to try to, I guess, pay it forward? I really love working with the younger athletes, so I'm hoping that they're gaining some value out of it as well, but I think it's both ways. Uh, Hopefully they can learn from my experience and uh, from the path that I've taken, and hopefully I'm able to share some of those lessons with them, helping them prepare better for competitions and what to expect. But it goes both ways. I mean, the younger athletes are inspiring me and challenging me to have that young, fresh look at the sport and uh, just really continue to pursue the highest goal. Speaking with Rosie McClendon, two-time gold medalist, uh, one of the greatest athletes this country's ever produced, you train so hard to be the best in the world. I marvel sometimes at your social media, at the little photos and videos of you in the gym, uh, the work that goes in to being the best in the world. Uh, for people who are not aware of it, Rosie, what does your typical training day look like? Uh, each day is a little bit different, but um, most days I will have a training session or a workout session in the morning, uh, followed by some sort of physio or recovery, um, stretching or something like that in the middle, and then uh, trampoline training at night. But over the course of the week, I'm on the trampoline anywhere from six to eight times a week, uh, strength and conditioning sessions. Uh, three or four times a week, and then Pilates, um, physio, and all of that on top. So you, it's, a, it's a pretty full-time job, but I absolutely love it and wouldn't trade it for anything. I find you get so much power from your legs to get that incredible vertical when you're, you're doing your trampoline routines. Um, are there specific things you do in the gym to keep that up? 
Uh, there's always things that you can work on, and it's really about building strength and converting it into power. So whether it's uh, increasing stability and flexibility and making sure that your body's as functional and stable as it can be so that it can generate that force and stay healthy in the process, um, to increasing strength, so uh, loading on weight um, to try and increase the load and then converting that to power by doing plyometrics or uh, on the trampoline training. Are you a kind of person who likes to listen to music when you're in the gym? Uh, it depends. Uh, when I work with the trainer, I don't listen to music, but when I'm on my own, uh, I definitely listen to music, or especially for bike intervals. I think music is a huge component in terms of keeping me going and keeping me motivated. Do you have, do you have go-to music when you're doing that? Uh, I usually just try and find a playlist uh, online and uh, hope, listen to a couple songs or see if it's the vibe that I want. Um, but in the trampoline gym, it's a matter of who gets to the radio first. <laughs> Now, I know all athletes talk about cheat cheat day because you train and eat to win. Do, do you have a favorite cheat food that you always go to? Uh, I mean, I try and approach it so 90% of the time I'm eating fairly healthy, um, but I do allow myself to have some flexibility in that. Uh, I mean, my weaknesses are probably chocolate, as <laughs> big ones, dark chocolate, but uh, other than that, I really try and just stay on point. But my, my grandmother's cookies are another big one. But there's a lot of psychological benefit to being able to cheat a little bit. <laughs> um, you often speak about you have to overcome a certain fear along the way in the path to be the best of the best on trampoline. Does anything still scare you at this point on and off the trampoline, Rosie? Um, absolutely. I think uh, in order to excel in any area, you have to put yourself into a position where you're uncomfortable or it's uncertain. Um, so there's certain skills that uh, definitely challenge me more psychologically. Um, anytime you're trying a new skill, you have to kind of overcome that fear and uh, really just try and convince yourself and build up the confidence uh, through builders or things like that to just eventually say, feel the fear and forget it. <laughs> Yeah, I always find there's something about your personality and the message you convey. It's, it's empowering. It's positive. When, when you are trying to mentor these younger athletes, what, what is the kind of two or three key messages you're trying to impart upon them so they can be the next Rosie McClendon? Uh, I really think the biggest piece is just chase the dream, but love the journey. Like set really high goals and challenge yourself to pursue them. But you have to really love the day in, day out work of it because if you do love it and you're doing it for the right reasons uh you're going to grow in the sport you're going to learn all the lessons that you need to and ultimately no matter where you end up in the sport you're going to be fulfilled and happy uh the medals and uh wins at competitions are great but they don't mean anything unless you actually love the day in day out and learn the lessons through that journey you have accomplished everything you could possibly hope to in your athletic career and then some but probably means you've met some interesting people along the way. What's some of the more famous people that you've met uh, in this journey or spoken to becoming a two-time gold medalist in the Olympics? I mean, I've had a lot of opportunities to meet a ton of people, but I think this, my favorite is just meeting other Canadian athletes. And uh, I mean, those are the people that I looked up to and followed as a young kid and who I really aspired to be. So having the opportunity to interact with the Clara Hughes, um, the Tessa Virtues, and some, whether it's uh, from previous games or current games i just really love interacting with other canadian athletes and learning their stories learning about their challenges what they've overcome how they've done it uh and what they're up to next 
Well, you don't just inspire young women or women in Canada. You inspire a lot of people, Rosie. I, I, you were one of my favorite people to speak to. And every time I look at your resume as an athlete, I, I, I almost have to blink and go, is that really possible? <laughs> it's great to see you still competing, still driving, still working to be the very best. And we greatly appreciate you taking the time to speak to us. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Our next stop on the feed takes us to the Women's Centre of York Region. And joining us here in studio is Leora Sobel, the Executive Director. Leora, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Let's start by telling our listeners a bit about the centre. Absolutely. So the Women's Centre of York Region is a complex multi-resource centre offering programs and supports to women throughout York Region. We offer supports and counselling, individual counselling as well as transitional counselling for women leaving abusive situations. And we offer group services in economic empowerment, financial literacy and personal life skills development. Can we drill down a little bit about some of those programs you, you talked about, whether it's um, economic literacy or, or personal empowerment? What kinds of programs and what details yeah. are in those programs? So our uh, personal life skills development group is called Making Changes. It runs throughout the year, and women engage in the uh, various modules. So there's no program like Making Changes. We offer uh, topics such as healthy boundaries, managing conflict, and support women in their journey to self-empowerment. So we want to make sure a woman has the tools to move herself forward in the best way that she can for herself. How does the woman come to the center? So it's a self-referral process. So women refer themselves either through phoning us or through the website. We do get a lot of uh, referrals from the community, but we encourage them to, to get the women to phone us instead. We really encourage um, empowering the woman to make the decision that she would like the support services rather than someone's telling her to to accept the services. And how long has the center been around? We have been around since 1977. Wow. We were incorporated in 1980, and we've been offering services to York Region now for over 40 years. And is it run by volunteers? No, so we have a, well, we do have volunteers, but we're a core staff team of about 15 people. We have a volunteer board of directors who govern us and uh, various volunteers for various programs. And can you tell us a bit about, you know, could you share maybe um, some stories from women at the center? Yeah, so we hear stories every day of women. We often find women come in um, feeling hopeless, uh, discouraged, unable to move forward in their lives. They feel as though that they're not going to be able to be successful for various reasons. We see a lot of women who have suffered from trauma and abuse um, where they feel beaten down and they don't feel that they have the strength or courage to move forward. Every day we see women who come in looking sullen and unable to cope to a few weeks later participating in the groups, um, finding their voice. We, we describe our process as something where we, we do not walk in front of the woman, we walk beside the woman. We help her along the journey, we don't guide the journey. What a beautiful philosophy. Now, in terms of the programs, how long does it take to, to go through a program and to you know maybe find that um, that success or being able or finding that strength to move on on your own. Absolutely. So our groups, that varies from person to person. We can't actually uh, nail it down to how long it's going to take. Our average counseling duration is about 12 weeks. But again, that's dependent on the woman's situation and what she needs. Group cycle in 10-week cycles. But for example, with our Making Changes program, there's four different modules. So women will attend over the course of a year. Some women find that they're 
perhaps they, they've received the benefit that they need after one cycle. Other women come back for the full four cycles. So it's really about the, where the woman is on her journey and what kind of supports she feels she still needs. And what can you share some of the specifics in one of those modules? Yeah, so uh, for example, in, I'll give you the example of our financial literacy programs. We work on various issues that would affect a woman with finances. So we do see a lot of women who are on social assistance or very low income budgets. So we do a lot of work around budgeting. We do work around vision boards. So where does the woman forecast she would like to be and how can she stretch her dollars to enable that? Um, we also incorporate tax seminars into that. So we're trying to equip the woman with the tools and the knowledge so that she can better manage and effectively move forward versus feeling stuck by a system or a low-income status. And uh, is the center primarily for a woman on her own, or is it for families and, and single moms? Yeah, so we actually, when we were incorporated and developed as an organization, we were developed for sole support mothers. We have evolved over the years to support all women. So we have women in relationships, we have women who are single, we have women who are mothers. Um, we're currently in the process of investigating the opportunities we may have to incorporate some other child groups into our center because we recognize the um be a necessity based on the need between the strength of a, a mother-child bond. Now we're here and we're talking about International Women's Day coming up next week. What have you got going on um, at the center? Absolutely. So International Women's Day is a celebration of women. It's uh, this year the theme is balance for better. So a better balanced world and better balanced in terms of gender equality and gender equity is a better world for everybody. So this year for International Women's Day, we're hosting an event March 8th at the New Market Public Library from 1.30 to 4 p.m. And we will be honoring and celebrating women in various ways. So we will have some paint, uh, paintings from a woman who uh, depicts positive images of women. We will have an Indigenous woman coming in doing a healing circle with the women and as well as a musician. And as always, we'll have tasty treats and lunch available. Always good. Yeah. <laughs> always uh, for sure to draw a crowd. Now, you have fundraising events coming up throughout the year. Anything else coming up? Yeah, so we have um, our annual fundraiser coming up. So the Women's Centre of York Region is hosting a fundraising brunch on Sunday, May 5th at the Richmond Hill Country Club. Join us for a delicious brunch, music entertainment, fashion show, and more. For more details, please visit our website at wcyr.ca. All proceeds will be supporting our programs and services. Leora, thank you for being here. Thank you. You're listening to The Feed on 105.9 The Region. I'm Station Manager Tina Cortez. If you missed any part of our show... Go to 1059theregion.com for replay. Our celebration of International Women's Day takes us to the Canadian Federation of University Women. International Women's Day is going to be celebrated across Ontario, and I have one organization here that's coming to talk to me about the ways that they're going to celebrate the lovely occasion, as well as a special anniversary that they are celebrating throughout 2019. Joining me today is Lynn Havard. She is the president of the Aurora Newmarket Club for CF. UW National. Lynn, how are you doing today? I'm just fine, thanks. Wonderful. Okay, so let's let the listeners know. Talk to me about what CFUW is all about. CFUW really stands for the Canadian Federation of University Women, but for simplicity's sake and for other political reasons, we tend to use CFUW. The main focus is to support the lives of women and girls and especially their education. So here in Aurora Newmarket, 
we have one of the largest chapters or clubs in the country. There are between there are about 7,500 members nationally. We have about 227 of them, and um, I'm pleased to be on the board and involved with such a club. We do want to work to further the education of girls in particular. We are now partnering with a couple of other community organizations. For instance, the Optimist Club of Newmarket, Optimist Club of Aurora, the Newmarket Lions Club. To uh, Locally, we uh, support children who are wards of the Children's Aid Society who need a little encouragement to finish high school, and then we do give an award to the uh, to a graduating student um, involved with the Children's Aid Society who is going on to higher education. So that's one of our awards that we do. We have um, last year we gave out seventeen thousand dollars worth of awards, that being one of them. And the others are aimed at high school students. And we have one at York University, one at Seneca. We have a lot of fun and get educated at the same time while we work together to raise the funds to support such awards. That's pretty well what we're about. So you are quite active in the community, doing all that you can to make sure that you help and, of course, educate girls and women across the country. And I'm sure that probably even resonates across the globe. So uh, kudos uh, to you, of course, doing what you can in the community um, and then as well to CFUW uh, continuing to help promote and empower women um, across Canada. So it's definitely good work that you guys are doing. How did this idea come about? Because I know that this organization has been around since 1919, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, right. It was founded in, um, in Winnipeg as a support for women who were involved in higher education, and at that time it was university. Uh, That was a real anomaly in 1919 to have this happening, and they needed support, and the organization has matured and grown and um, are pleased to continue the same type of work in the the community. Any plans for any uh, celebrations for the 100th anniversary? Nationally, they, for the 100th anniversary, they're meeting in Winnipeg, uh, back in Winnipeg, and have a new national award, I guess is the best word, scholarship for a um, graduating student in honor of the 100th anniversary. They're trying to have, they're writing a book about the organization in um, over the 100 years, and they're collecting photos for that. That will be published and available in August. Trying to highlight the work of the club as we go about our uh, normal business, uh, such as planning an event for International Women's Day. Talk to me about how you've seen CFUW help women over the years. Um, What does it mean to you to be a part of this organization? Well, nationally, it's important to me, just the history of the group and what's been going on, uh, things they've supported, initiatives, There's a very strong lobbying um, arm of the club, especially federally, Uh, but each province or region does their own for concerns, um, advocating for concerns within their own region. Nationally, we're also hooked up with an international group, which adds a whole different 
aspect to it, Graduate Women International is what it's called now, but for us, uh, locally, we try and, yes, educate our people, and one of our functions coming up is to take part in the national, well, not national club, but the international idea of International Women's Day. So we're um, planning an event here in Newmarket. And of course, what will you be doing to celebrate International Women's Day here in York Region this year? One of our um, members, she's actually the vice president, uh, Lynn Bird, is involved with a, a charity that she began with a few others in Tanzania, right um, near Kilimanjaro, in the Kilimanjaro area, where they're supporting, uh, have been building and supporting schools there for girls. So she's going to speak to us on Friday, March the 8th at Trinity United Church in Newmarket at 10 o'clock about this charity, uh, other charity, but really the needs of girls and women to, up to a point in, um, internationally and what, what's very currently needed for that. So we're planning this event. We'll have a talk at 10, well, refreshments at 10 o'clock. Lynn will speak after that, and then we're following a bit of a tradition of all walking down Main Street, Newmarket, to the Water Street Bridge. Um, we will gather there and have a photo op and sing a song about um, Canada. This is in commemoration of two African countries who the women met on a bridge and um, stated their independence and their what they were aiming for, so it's just of um, mirroring that and then we'll go back to the church for a potluck lunch after that so we've invited different um, women's groups in the area well men are welcome too but they might feel a little out of place <laughs> and um, as well as different clubs from our organization to come and join us so we're looking forward to March the 8th at 10 o'clock at Trinity United in Newmarket sounds like it's going to be a very lovely and community-filled event. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, where can then residents go for more information about CFUW? Well, for our local club, there's a website, cfuwauroranewmarket.org. And then the uh, just Googling, again, CFUW, uh, there, it's going to pop up with uh, Ontario Council information, and it will take you straight to the national website, too. We are on Facebook and Instagram locally, so there are other places to check on us. Awesome, and it's always good to be plugged in with social media, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and um, before I let you go, I just wanted to get um, a quick message from you or uh, any words that you have um, to anyone and everyone celebrating International Women's Day this year. Yes, very, very um, crucial just to highlight the position that um, women find themselves in. We've come a long way, but there's way to go. Our our uh, speaker again, this Lynn Bird, who will be talking to us, is going on March the 11th to New York to the um, Commission on the Status of Women and Girls, the 63rd annual session of that. So. CFUW is involved in lobbying and uh, there, and we're pleased to have our very own um, heading off to be part of that as one of the delegates. So let's celebrate the 
the local stuff too, the local people. I hear you, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. Lynn, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me uh, and um, helping us to celebrate International Women's Day. Of course, happy International Women's Day to you. And, of course, congratulations on CFUW celebrating 100 years of helping uh, young girls and women across Canada. Great. Thank you very much for the opportunity. We continue our celebration of International Women's Day with the Executive Director of the Elspeth Hayward Women's Center. Joining us next is Sunder Singh. Good morning, Sunder. Good morning, Tina. How are you? I'm doing very well, uh, Tina, very well. Very excited about the International Women's Day. I want to wish all the women in Vaughan, in York Region, everywhere in the world, a very happy International Women's Day. Sunder, can, can we begin our conversation by telling our listeners a bit about the Elspeth Hayward Women's Center? What kinds of services does it provide? The core services uh, provided by Elspeth Hayward Center for Women uh, are settlement services. We are looking after all the newcomers, immigrants, refugees coming into Canada and uh, very actively helping them to, to settle here, find employment. Uh, through the process of uh, their settling, uh, a lot of women go through uh, a pressure, cultural pressures, religious pressures, etc., and they become very vulnerable and begin to face uh, abuse at home. Uh, uh, because of this reason, uh, we started a program called Reduce Abuse. It's a award-winning program. And uh, we've done uh, this program in partnership with the, with the police to help women understand their rights, their responsibilities of living in Canada. And uh, we have programs for seniors, um, uh, both in Toronto and in the city of Vaughan. And now we are expanding our services for the youth, the newcomer uh, youth that are coming into the country. And how do women find the centre? When women come into the organization, uh, in a very short while they begin to call... um, our center, their second home. And uh, when they come to the, the organization, they, they come for multi, multiple services, and it's not just for settlement. They, for, they come for counseling. They come for support. And um, they eventually become volunteers uh, for the center. And uh, some of the volunteers, uh, we have uh, been able to hire them and find employment for them as well. That's fantastic. Now, here we are. It's International Women's Day. You're also a former local and regional councillor for the city of Vaughan. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey and what it was like for you? Um, uh, I had a very exciting journey uh, when I was appointed the local and regional councillor. I found myself to be a very fortunate person. Uh, I understood the community very well to to the uh, grassroots level. And then uh, uh, coming to the council all of a sudden, looking at the macro level of uh, uh, what was required, uh, it was uh, uh, no different except that it, the work had to be done in a very large scale. And um, um, I had the opportunity of uh, discussing with the community, the senior staff, about um, um, engaging the community. The more we engage the community in our cities, uh, we find that people complain lesser and um, uh, they are happier, they are healthier. 
And uh, we did that through um, uh, encouraging people to come out into the parks and use the parks for the activities, bring the children out uh, where they can play music, they can practice music, you know, actively involved in the community gardens. And um, uh, just engaging with with the people was a a very, uh, very um, great experience for me. You sound very passionate about it, and you're still very much actively involved in the community. Isn't that right? Oh, absolutely I am, uh, uh, on an ongoing basis. Sometimes um, I find myself waking up in the morning and I'm thinking of the community, thinking of my work, thinking of people, and um, uh, the day goes by very fast, and then I find myself tired and exhausted, and I go to sleep. This is my day, and, uh, and I enjoy it. I love it. Now, before we tell our listeners a bit about the event you have coming up for International Women's Day, can you tell us what the day means to you personally? Uh, personally, International Women's Day uh, is an acknowledgement of women's achievements across the world. However, we don't stop there. The world, the universe evolves. And uh, during my lifetime, I would like to see the International Women's Day evolved to a gender equality day. Uh, On a gender equality day, we will acknowledge that we are interdependent on each other. This is what we need to achieve. Um, This is the the, the day, um, uh, you know, uh, when there will be bigger impact on women who have uh, up to now, you know, chosen to live a subjugated life and it will have a huge impact on the religious leaders who still continue to lead women to believe that their place is second to to men. And because, um, uh, you know, this is what God wants. The root cause of the pain that women go through, the root cause of all the issues in the world that women face is religion. And the day women begin to understand that they are being manipulated is the day when the world will change and we will then have the gender equality day. It is uh, extremely important for women to understand that they are being manipulated in the name of God. Um, This kind of distorted thinking has to be eliminated. Um, I would like to reiterate that women are still being subjugated by male species on the strength of religion and at the instigation of religious leaders. It's important. Um, this is uh, what I, uh, every time, uh, you know, uh, we approach the International Women's Day, I go through these thoughts and uh, we need to evolve as a gender equality day. Can you tell us a little bit about the event you have coming up for International Women's Day on March 8th? Um, uh, for about uh, five, six years, we have uh, partnered with the City of Want to celebrate International Women's Day. And uh, we do this to acknowledge the, the achievements women have made uh, the world over. And uh, uh, this partnership has been a very sound partnership for us. Uh, we celebrate International Women's Day at the City Hall at the Multipurpose Room this year. It's going to be held uh, on March the uh, 8th at 9.30 a.m. And uh, uh, the, the space is unfortunately limited, 
uh, we can only hold about 150 to 160 people in the room. Uh, but um, I'm hearing that next year it's going to be a much, much larger uh, event as uh, many people uh, want to come and attend this event. It's a very happy event, uh, very inspiring event. Um, and um, uh, uh, both men and women join in the celebration and we're looking forward to this event this year. And if our listeners want more information about the Elspeth Hayward Centre, where can they go? They can contact 416-663-2978. That is our uh, main line. They can uh, reach me at that number if they wish to talk to me at any time. I am accessible as long as I'm not in meetings. Sundar Singh, thank you for joining us on the feed. Thank you very much, Tina. That's our show for this week. If you missed any part of our celebration of International Women's Day on the feed, head over to our website, 1059theregion.com. I'm Tina Cortez. Thanks for listening.